Welcome to the latest edition of the Evolution Exchange Cybersecurity Podcast. Today, I'm excited to be joined by a esteemed panel of guests. So this includes Aaron Crow, CTO of Industrial Defender, and Justin Aquero, uh, CISO of Evernorth. And the discussion for today's conversation is overcoming barriers to entry in OT cybersecurity. So to kick things off, um, it'll be great to begin with some introductions. So over to you first, Justin, would you uh, be so kind as to give us a bit of an introduction to yourself and your professional background? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Dave, for having me. And, um, you know, it's a pleasure to work beside um, Aaron here. Um, so first, uh, probably close to 21 experience, uh, years experience in IT, last 19 of which um, focused on cybersecurity. And so discussing a little bit earlier, um, probably around 11, uh, my time at General Electric um, working on OT-related matters and uh, my last year working over at Evernorth, um, you know, has been focused around uh, many things in the CISO role, but one of which um, being related to OT and securing OT infrastructure. So that's a little bit about me, and I'll turn it over to Aaron. Awesome. Thank you, Justin. Uh, yeah, so my, my career is very similar. Um, I have a 25 plus years in, in IT, really starting out on the networking and architecture and systems administration side, um, working in manufacturing and a lot of different verticals throughout those years. But it, it really has come back to probably the last 15 years or so, really focused in the OT space, um, working from actually working at a power generation, working in manufacturing directly, supporting power, power plants generation and transmission before I rolled over to, to be a consultant, working for one of the big four UI, um, where I, I did it across multiple clients and verticals uh, before you know joining Industrial Defender and you know all the all the bruises and battle scars to show show along the path. Fantastic, brilliant! Thanks for the introduction, both of you, and uh, pleased to have you both on as guests today. Um, turning the focus then onto the discussion for today, uh, once again overcoming barriers to entry in OT cybersecurity. Can we first of all start by giving the listeners who maybe are aren't aware a bit of an idea what is the difference between OT and IT? Yeah, so you know, again, since I do have an IT and OT background, I think that's made me uniquely capable to kind of bridge this gap because a lot of times I feel that I'm in the middle you know, translating requirements to the business and to IT because they're not speaking the same language. So um, you you can't, you know, you, OT is different than IT. And, and the, in 2024 and 20, you know, in the future, a lot of the equipment that you see in the space may be the same that you see in IT. Like you're going to see the same switches and the same firewalls and the same servers, but it's still different. And, and the things that are really different is the business function and, and what it's doing, right? In, a, in, a, in an OT world, that that equipment is controlling a physical process. And that physical process, there's there's availability. If you look at the CIA triad, I'm really focused around availability and I like to add safety. Um, it's availability and safety focus. So before we started recording, we talked about, you know, on Saturday night when the, when the manufacturing facility isn't working and the, and the engineer's there and he has to make it work because the line's not running and everybody's bonuses is tied to that and all that kind of stuff because you got to make widgets. He's going to go make it work. That's his job is to make sure it functions. Sometimes that's going to be bypassing processes that you don't want him to, like, like buying a switch or something from, from Walmart. Um, but at the end of the day, he's trying to get it working. There is no downtime. I can't just go patch. I can't. The life cycle on equipment is 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 much longer than it, in OT than it is in IT. It's not a one to five year. It's a ten to twenty year life cycle on equipment. So that's why you have 
really old equipment. And again, I could talk about this forever. So Justin, what about you? Yeah, no, you, you said it well, Iron. I, I'm laughing because I've been in places where the equipment, uh, the manufacturer itself doesn't exist anymore. You've got a cache of parts in the, you know, the background. Um, the system it's connected to, the people that made the operating system doesn't even exist anymore as a company. Right. Right, but it's it's on a production line that makes uh, hundreds of millions of dollars a, a day. So um, you've got to be careful. And and to upgrade that, it's not as simple as just buying new parts. To your point, this is a major overhaul of overall business process. Hundreds of millions of dollars of investment. I think that's the key. You said it well. It's it's life. It, these things have links to physical products, which then create this potential around life and human safety type issues as well. And then in some places, you can't downtime and maintenance for these things. You might have, it, it could be up to a year where you get uh, half a day worth of downtime for some of this stuff. And the equipment's so costly that you can't have redundancy to go, you know, patch like you do on traditional IT systems. So thinking about it, as you said, differently and understanding it from a business process perspective and understanding how the business is operating is critical. Um, and I think... The technology, like you said, it's similar in nature, but the application, the process, and how it's used are fundamentally different. Yep. So I guess, um, in short, to keep things simplistic, so operational technology, we're dealing with the physical side of things that, you know, um, so industrial control systems, we talked about manufacturing plants, their water treatment centers and the like, and IT, we're concerned with computers. For simplicity, a very simple overview. Yep. And... So I know we already kind of touched on uh, briefly there, the availability aspect um, and also the, the longevity, you know, these, um, the machinery you buy, it's, it's costly, you know, you can't be affording to, to, to upgrade it the same way you do on IT. Can we focus specifically on what's unique about OT and what are the unique challenges that we face in OT that we don't get in IT? Yeah, I could kick us off. I'd say maybe, um, you know, just to add one or two in there, I think, uh, with some of this older technology you typically see in there, it's a little bit more brittle. It's a little bit more fragile. So um, ensuring, you know, while you might still need to do things like vulnerability management, for instance, the approach you take versus active scanning and, you know, moving to more passive scanning, it matters, right? So understanding that's number one. And I would say maybe the second thing I'll add in is, um, really understanding the folks working on this. It's not just the technology team, and the business teams. You're often surrounded by site leadership, safety individuals, operational folks, engineering folks. Um, Aaron kind of, la I was laughing here uh, physically when you said, um, you know, running to Best Buy because there's such a team and a crisis team around operational outages in the OT that exists. And it's many more than just the folks that work on the OT floor and the business, there's safety folks, make sure these systems come back up in a safe fashion for folks and, and so on and so forth that exist. You really need to be engaged um, from a cyber perspective with that kind of virtual response team, right? And your plans and the way you respond need to be integrated with those individuals. So I just add two things in there, Aaron, I know you work in and out daily of this stuff. So it's, you probably got a cadre of other areas. You know, a lot of times it's it's always, and I think this is similar on IT and OT, is looking for that that shiny object, whether it's the new product that comes out or or the 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 solution, the hardware, software, whatever. But very, it's all around even more so maybe in, in OT is is that process side, the people, process, and technology. 
the technology, there's a lot of great technologies out there. Obviously, I, I've worked for a product company, but but my product or any product alone is not a silver bullet. Like it, it, it doesn't matter what the product is, the process and the technology has to go with the people and, and, and really integrate that. And it's probably heavier on the OT side just because of what you said, right? I've got so many other people that make that process, the business process work. I can't just cram a, an IT process or, or technology because if it breaks the process, I'm going to rip it out because it's more important that the product, I can create the product and, and ship the widget than it is that I have a safe environment, right? And, and by safe, I mean from a cyber perspective. So I have to look at my problems. I approach them differently in OT than I do in IT. I may, I may attack if I can't patch this Windows XP system that's sitting over in the corner. One option is go replace it, but that's not a good option as, as Justin mentioned a minute ago. Well, what are other ways that I can mitigate that risk without just ripping it out or having to patch it or, or you know, replace it? Justin, a question that came up on our previous sort of discussion uh, was your interest in the focusing around what are a few do's and don'ts leaders should consider um, when starting a cybersecurity journey without specific domain uh, or OT expertise. Can you give us a bit of kind of context behind that? What your what your views are for someone you know starting out in this area? Yeah, I've had the privilege, maybe or maybe not so much the privilege of having to start out a few times in this space and. I think, you know, um, it's easy to get yourself kind of, shall I say, shoot yourself in the foot, maybe, a bad analogy early on if you just treat it purely like the IT side of the house. And maybe because we've touched on this a little bit, two examples. I mentioned the one common mistake, treating active vulnerability scanners, at least in a few environments I've been in, as well as peer environments I've heard from, you know, coming in and immediately scanning the OT environment usually leads to some type of outages frustration on the business side of the house, uh, productivity impacts, maybe even business operational impacts. And, and that actually can make it harder in the long term to build the trust needed to work with those partners to actually truly secure it. Um, so getting this right out of the onset is really important. And then I've seen things which are you kind of like adjacencies where you'd say, okay, MFA, let's go roll it out everywhere. Well, side effects of not understanding the business process, great example was a rollout MFA to an environment where you know, PPE and not necessarily the COVID side, but gloves and things like that and equipment needed there. You can't use your key fob, right, to just get in. You need some type of proximity or badging system versus having a, let's say, a key fob with a numerical digit you have to go type in. Otherwise, you're forcing that person to remove safety equipment on the line to go do an operation on a computer. And that could actually be extremely dangerous for the individual, um, you know, overall or the entire business line. So thinking through these things, I think from a don't perspective is you've got to spend a little bit more time to really understand the business process. And unfortunately, at least in my experiences, um, it's in, and Aaron, I'd love to hear yours. It, it's, it's different. It could be different from manufacturing site to manufacturing site. It could be different from adjacent you know, areas within a building, particularly production lines within a building. So you really need to spend the time to partner with those. So I'd say that's probably on the do side is really understanding the expertise um, needed, right? Who are the right individuals and starting some really basic questions. How are the businesses operating and making money in this environment? Um, what are the safety protocols that exist on the uh, manufacturing production line, treatment plant, whatever it is you're dealing with? Um, what are the types of maintenance change management processes that exist? 
and then working our way into more of the how does IT interface with the systems and getting into then, okay, the specifics around the actual technologies in place. And it seems slow, um, but I'd say it pays dividends to build that exposure up with their business teams and really get to understand this overall. That that provides a lot more value than uh, let's go, you know, attempt to learn on the job, so to say, and you create a lot of frustrations on both sides of the fence. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, it's it's very similar, right? Is is it's the 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 OT process, and you got to remember what's the tail, what's the dog. Um, the, the business is the is the dog. The IT process is not the dog. It is the tail. You're providing a service. Um, you are not the 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 primary reason for Dow Chemical to be in existence is not their OT cyber or their cyber program or their website or their email servers. None of those things. Those are all just capabilities they're providing so that they can create those widgets, so they can create all of their products and sell them. And if you if you forget that, so anytime you're approaching these things, you can't make it so hard that I can't create the thing. Now, obviously, security and 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 availability or ease sometimes most of the time don't go hand in hand. But I have to remember at the end of the day, your your safety example is great. I can't make somebody take their PPE, their hard hat, their safety glasses, and their gloves off for any cyber reason. There is no reason that you, they can work in an unsafe way. So you have to find another way that they can be secure from a cyber perspective while not giving up their physical security and safety uh, of that line, like zero incidents, zero safety, right? That That is the focus and that availability safety is important um, and understanding that. So from a don't perspective, don't just take IT policies and try to force them into OT because you're gonna break. Um, from a do perspective, is find champions in the business. They're gonna be hesitant to change and, and implementing new capabilities or, or, or you know this new technology, but they there's a reason why they're hesitant. They've been burned in the past. They've they've had their systems shut down. There's a reason that they're hesitant to allow you in. You have to earn their trust and you have to understand. And the only way you earn their trust is by listening to them and understanding where they're coming from and why they're hesitant. Trust so important, Aaron. I mean, I, I said it earlier and, and you said it in the beginning too. It's that's the key piece for this to, to work out there is trust within the business. Yeah. I think it's also interesting to have kind of touched on so early on the kind of the the clash between IT process, uh, IT um, kind of policy and OT process there, as you mentioned, kind of multifactor authentication kind of uh, example there that, you know, when you've got a cyber foe that says we need to do this, this is what we need to do to secure the, the site. But actually, they've not done the floor walk. They don't understand the, the the PPE that you know people are wearing and the logistics behind that. And from a recruitment standpoint, I understand that that's quite commonly the pushback I get. Yeah, you've given us a cyber person. They understand all these frameworks and security, but they're they're going to clash heads with the OT guys. So I think that brings us on quite nicely to um, the next question I want I wanted to ask. What are the key traits as sort of hiring managers and from building teams? What are the key traits you look for? And how can we develop these um, in, in, in existing employees if you're not kind of bringing in outside resources? I'll, I'll start us out. So um, I've, I've been fortunate enough to build a couple of these teams at, at multiple organizations. Um, and so I, I've seen it done a couple of different ways and, and I've had some success in a lot of different ways, right? But um, I, I've taken existing people and turned them into OT people. And then I've taken people from outside, brought them in that had some of that skill set. Um, and, and, and the key thing 
in my in my experience is showing that that questioning attitude and and, and building trust right and, and i know we just talked about that but I, if you have that questioning attitude and you know we talked about the skills so networking and firewalls and and servers and a lot of the technical skills are going to be the same in each business it and ot they're very similar technical skills the difference is the business process. The difference is the environment that you're working in. In IT, I'm going to the data center, and OT, I'm going to a manufacturing plant. In IT, I'm wearing slacks and you know nice leather shoes, and at a manufacturing plant, I'm wearing steel toe boots and, and blue jeans and a, and a hard hat. Right? It's a different environment, but it's it's almost you know the the alter ego. Um, am I Clark Kent or Superman? When I put on that hard hat, I have to show up like that person. If I'm talking to OT people like I would an IT person, they're not, it's a different language. It's a different vernacular. They look at things differently. So you have to be able to do, and again, I, I think I mentioned it earlier, like I think that's one of the things that, that has made me successful in my career is being able to have conversations with both of those and, and build that trust. Because if, if I can do that, then I can be successful. I can teach somebody how to configure a firewall. I can teach somebody how to configure a, a switch and a, and a server or implement that new product. That's the easy part. The hard part is building that relationship with those end users. One of my mentors told me a long time ago, all business is the people business. I don't care if you're a janitor or the CEO, you have to be able to have relationships with the people. And if you can't build those relationships, you're not going to be able to sell them anything. I well said, Aaron, I'll say that's the people I find most successful is finding the folks that can have uh, the relationship side, the teaming side of the house, that natural curiosity, because you can learn the other aspects of this. And I'd say maybe patience, too, as you go through this process and, and this change. Um, you can teach a lot of the fundamental skills um, to individuals jumping in there up to a certain point. And I do think that there's a there's a little bit of a strategy you can play with bringing in, you know, the mixture of, you know, do you teach people up that have those basic skills, then do you fuse them with folks that are on the floor, whether they're doing OT engineering or operations to enhance those skills, and then even traditional cyber people who might be able to come back through later on where they've got more niche specialties like incident response and other areas which can get its own discipline and field in a way. So, but, but I think you really have to spend the time to look at those key traits of individuals that are willing to be there. They've got to provide some level of advocacy too, because the first, in the very beginning, once you get those folks up, they've got to be able to help champion and be an advocate for the way of doing things in this world um, in order to get a little bit of forward momentum for the team. Interesting to hear kind of both of your views on that. And I particularly kind of want to focus and think about specifically how we can kind of remove barriers and develop people who I think both of you have mentioned that, that it's important. It's a common theme I hear like the whole time that taking just a cyber person um, and put them in an OT environment is inherently going to have problems. Likewise, taking someone that's maybe been um, working with industrial control systems, configuring PLCs and, you know, knows OT, it's their bread and butter, but isn't doesn't have that security mindset. We're building someone that kind of needs to be able to speak both languages, I think, uh, as as you mentioned, Darren. What are the, I guess, non-negotiables and what can we train people on? How can we uh, remove some of these barriers to entry for people? Because unless they've kind of split their career, they've started off as an engineer, then gone into cyber and have got that perfect blend of skills. Where do people start? Aaron said something so important. Uh, it triggered it, you know. Uh, one of the things you can immediately do is just ask folks, have you ever even been to one of these facilities, right? Because if you haven't, that's probably the first step of uh, 
um, you know, in Lean, Six Sigma, they've got a concept around, uh, and in a lot of manufacturing, you see Lean-based processes out there. Um, Genba, which is go to the place of work, right? And it's important for leaders and individuals to go there. And I think that's number one, but it leads into this concept around, are you doing job shadowing? And I don't mean with the technical folks, I mean, actually getting out there and seeing how the process is being done, understanding the process, um, because it's really hard to defend if you don't understand this. I remember in the past, a, a great experience where we had a individual, you know, they thought they were doing the right thing. We were looking at, and we didn't do anything, but we were looking at hardening switch ports by locking them down. But we realized really quickly that they reconfigure the shop floor on a per week basis for the need and demand that's coming back in. So now they're rolling equipment around and that simple act, which you would think of just locking something down to a particular switch port didn't work for the business process, but it was immediately observed as soon as you went actually to the, the floor and saw how they actually worked. Um, so just so critical to break down that barrier of, uh, between these different groups. And then I think really understanding there's plenty of great educational programs out there. I mean, um, you could run through the gamut. Um, a lot has been emerging in this area, um, but your business might actually have some of the same educational programs on, hey, how does company X make money, right? Like, how do you actually ship goods? What are the processes that they do? Typically, they do customer tours of facilities and things like that if you're in manufacturing, other areas. So volunteer to get on those to really understand and ask a ton of different questions there. And then understanding the architecture, the technologies that are being used. I mean, it sounds silly, but even it, and it sounds like something, you know, go inventory what's out there on the floor, right? Most of the time you don't have a great accurate inventory anyway. And just doing that, you're going to find a ton. You're going to speak to a ton of different individuals that understand this stuff that helps them on the business side, by the way, and it helps you, right, understand what you're actually dealing with there. And then, you know, we've been talking for, I don't know, 30 years for asset management, right, in this industry. It also helps the company and the business in many different ways. But those are areas just to, just to help people get up to speed in this space, um, you know, much faster uh, and build that knowledge up. And you can go into many different ways of, uh, like I said earlier, leveraging OT individuals, partnered with IT individuals and the combinations of that. But just at the most fundamental level, you got to get out there and you got to start to understand the business. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I agree 100 percent. Right. Is, is if I'm a, if I'm an IT guy and I want to get into the OT space, I'm going to go find the, the, the control engineer or the operator and I'm going to all my nights and weekends and, and I'm going to I'm going to just be a shadow. Um, you know, back back in the day, we or way long ago, right? We had we had the process of well, and I guess we still do plumbers and electricians. Like you become a journeyman, right? And, and that's how you learn these things. Like they don't trust you to go do the job on your own. They're sitting over there watching you. You're watching them. Like same way I learned to change the oil in my car. I watched my dad do it, and, and until then, I, then he started making me okay. Now you loosen it. Like you follow those steps and you understand the process and why it's done a certain way. Sometimes you don't even understand why in the beginning, but as you start to see it and you do it more, you start to see it. But on the flip side, if I were, if I were an OT guy, I would do the same thing vice versa, because again, it's those, those skills. It's, it's really a different skill set um, that, that we're trying to create here, which is why there's such a void in the OT space is because there's not, there's not enough people that understand the technology, the cyber side, and that understand the OT and the business side, because those are two, like your control engineer understands the business side and how, how the automation works and why the, 
you know, the widget comes out the other side of that conveyor belt and, and all the things that make it work from, from the 4 to 20 milliamp and the PLC and all that kind of stuff. But he doesn't understand all the networking things that really connect all that stuff together. The vendor set all that up and he doesn't mess with it, right? He just changes the, the ladder logic in the PLC um, and, and plugs in new sensors or whatever, changes the configuration because he wants it to go faster or slower or higher or lower. But he doesn't understand. So we need both of those skill sets in the same place. And, and one, of the re, one of the risks that I see in business today is there's not enough people that understand the total business process to really understand the total business risk. Um, I can see that the cyber side from an attacker coming from the outside, I hire a red team and they're attacking my firewall, but I don't have anybody that really understands the OT and the business process to understand where really is my risk. Because Justin said a second ago, most of the time you don't even have an accurate inventory. So how do I know where my risk is if I don't even know how many assets I have and where they are, what version they are, what they do, what their business function is, which one's the most important if it goes out that's going to impact my my production line and, and cause me issues, right? And just to pick up on something you said there, Aaron, uh, which I thought was was quite interesting. Obviously, we're trying to look at getting a better blend of the kind of the IT and the OT. You know, we've got people sitting on both camps, experts in both areas. And we mentioned the very start of the call as well and the difference, the cultural differences and the language differences in the two teams, which I think it is sort of chalk and cheese when I'm speaking to people, both sides of the camp, they do speak in very different ways. And, you know, even the titles they'll call themselves are, are very different, which is a, is a complete different issue with kind of HR and, you know, you know what, what, what job title to put out there. How do you think, um, let me think how to phrase this, what are the risks of businesses keeping these teams segregated? Because I think this isn't a short-term thing. As we know, obviously OT has existed for ages. You know, the concept of OT cybersecurity is relatively a newer concept, but, you know, we've had wind turbines, um, nuclear power plants, oil wells for years. Sure. We're now calling it jazzier titles. What are the risks and do you see that as a barrier, these teams being segregated? And what are the risks of, I guess, you know, merging the teams and, you know, having a bit more visibility and kind of cross-pollination between the two teams? I definitely think that there needs to be cross-training. Um, I also definitely mm. think that there needs to be segmentation between the teams. Now, mm. some people don't agree with me, but what where, where I mean by that is that what what's changed because we've always had turbines we've always had plcs we've always had this manufacturing what's changed is we're bringing the commercially off the shelf technology to ot right that's mm -hmm. the change and the vendors did that it's not like we necessarily said hey start using cisco gear and windows mm -hmm. servers in in your environment they they started doing it we were still buying it so our newer versions have that capability plus from a business perspective we wanted to get data out and understand that we can you know uh, be more efficient and 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 all that so we want the data um, and the vendors are bringing in the technology. So now we have this this pro this problem that we're we're seeing, right? Um, so we need to bring people, either train the ones that we have that have the the business side and and the and the understanding from the OT side, or start bringing in people from the other team and cross training, right? So they need to understand it. So you know, you look at a SOC. A SOC is going to be in the future. If you have an OT environment, you need your SOC to be looking at OT data. But if I just take OT data, send it to the IT SOC, the IT analyst is not going to know what he's looking at. He's just going to say, okay, I see a bunch of stuff. Like um, we used to get it all the time. We had operations center and, you know, the analyst would call in the middle. So a power plant, usually they, they'll have a, a big outage once every fall or spring in Texas, um, you know, before the heavy season in the summer and the winter, right? And, and they'll do their major outages. They'll use that one per year and they'll be down for two or three weeks. Well, they'll take the whole plant offline and they're replacing you know, boiler feed pumps and all these big pieces of equipment, right? 
during that time, they're not running, but it's still man 24 seven, et cetera. During that time, we would get a call from the operations center saying, hey, did you know that this plant, like, like this piece of equipment's offline? They're like, we've been an outage for two weeks. You're just now noticing that? Like, you're, you're not helping me. Like, get off the phone. Like, they didn't even know that the plant was an outage. Of course, it's going to be going up and down, right? They didn't notice the other 50 things that happened before that. For whatever reason, they saw this one, and that's the thing that spurred. So tying all of these things back to you have to understand the business process, and you have to start training these people, and somebody has to understand the OT side, the IT side, the business process, and, and have skill sets across those. It's probably not going to be one person. It may be multiple people, but you need to make sure when you're doing a tabletop exercise for, for your, your IT risk that you have OT people is at that table. Because if you're not, if, if they don't have a seat at the table, they can't tell you the business risk side of it. Justin, on, on to you, I think. What are the risks inherent of training people too early on? For example, taking someone who wants to learn a bit more cyber. What do you think the risks are of this cross-training? We obviously know it's a good thing to do, but why aren't businesses doing it? Yeah, look, I, I don't know that it's as simple as you pick one person, you know, on one side of the fence and train mm -hmm. them and you've got that holistic uh, piece. I think early on, it's might be, I may, this might be controversial, it might be easier to train somebody with an OT background, some of the fundamentals of cyber, because you're really dealing with the basics of asset management, um, inventory, understanding the protocols, understanding those core pieces. You reach a certain bar though at that point where now you're dealing with threat incident response and detection, right? And you can no longer say it's just the the OT individual um, and that's it. And you can train them on those, all those niche topics. You can, it'll take you a while to get there. So I think you need to marry up the two. Um, I'm a big fan of virtual teams for that reason, right? Even if you've got groups that work in their main functions, but no one to come together on things, that's absolutely critical. But I think your danger is time, right? And cost to get there um, and maybe impact of operations of uh, getting there the wrong way. You might even have to, and it might not be as simple as I made a mistake. It could be um, the investments, the changes you made were a mistake and getting changes into an OT environment isn't the same as IT where you've got a maintenance weekend every weekend and you can go down and take this. Aaron just had a great story out once a year, you've got a two week outage window that you get all your stuff done. If you miss that, right? And you, or you make a mistake in how you deploy, see you next year, right? Yep. And now you've lost a year of cost, there's impact, um, the trust is down. So I think there has to be, you've gotta be very thoughtful in this space when you're bringing people in. Um, and if you're in the beginning, I'd recommend partnering with a, a, you know, somebody external that has some of this domain expertise. But I'll caveat that every environment I've seen, and I know we were talking about this earlier, um, has been different. Um, so, you know, even built around the same period of time, they're, they're different, right? Um, either in process, in other areas. So there's no panacea where there's structural ways you can go approach this and the experts that are in the industry will know this and they'll be able to help you. You're still going to need that institutional knowledge and you're going to need to know your cyber processes too and what you're capable of. I think you fuse those three together. I think you have the best case. Um, but if you just pick one, it's going to be a slow, costly implementation um, over time here. And even if you have an expert, this, you do find this unicorn in industry, they've kind of now learned your business process. I think we've said that term 
a hundred times so far. Hopefully it's drilled into folks' heads. Uh, that's the most important part is really understanding the unique business pieces of this. Um, so it's not to say don't look for the unicorn, but I think really understanding that's going to be critical on the get-go for individuals. I don't know, Aaron, if you'd add anything on that. Yeah, I mean, just to add to that, and it's not exactly a skill, but I've seen it a lot where, I, where we've tried, you know, putting, taking the OT guy and giving him IT skills or vice versa. The problem that I've seen is 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 that they they have a job. Their job is to make the plant run. So I can give this guy the IT skill set. I can train him. But when it comes down to hey, the 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 line is down and he's got to fix the PLC or he's going to go deploy patches in his off time, the the primary job takes over. So the other things that are secondary don't because he it's not his job. His job is to be make sure the plant line is running. And if he has enough time then he'll get to those other things as well. So it, it it's just a priority problem. So if you want that, then take that person, create a role for him and give him specific requirements that are focused around that. You need his skills in the OT, but you're trying to make him focus on the IT for or the you know the, the cyber and the technology side. You need to create a role and a, and a capability so that otherwise he's just going to continue doing his exact job. He's going to have the knowledge, but th not the time to dedicate because he's still doing the same job. You just added more cape role and work to him that he doesn't have time to do. Well said. Do you think enough people, um, you know, starting out know what OT cyber is? Do you think it's visible enough? Uh, do you think people understand starting out in cyber that it's it's a career for them? And if it's a barrier, like what, what can we do to, you know, encourage people into OT cybersecurity? Yeah, uh, I, I definitely don't think enough people do. It's one of the reasons why I launched a podcast to get the message out there and really have that understanding. Um, you you see it like some people even in cyber, like they they don't understand the difference between OT and IT and why is it so hard and why can't you know? I talk to CISOs all the time and and CIOs and CEOs and they just they un they know there's a difference, but they really don't know why. They they really can't many times understand the true reason why it's that different. Like. Sure. Yeah, I know it's different. Like, yeah, okay, you're a unicorn. Yeah, I get it, whatever, right? But at the end of the day, they don't really feel it's that different. Like, there's no reason I can't just take this IT stuff and maybe I change it a little bit and put it into the OT side. But it's just a different thing. It's 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 apples and oranges. It's, it's different colors. We're speaking different languages. Like, it's completely different. And not enough people understand how different it is. Because on the surface, again, I, I, I talked about it a minute ago or a while ago, a lot of the equipment's the same. So I look at a cabinet from the outside. If I'm looking at an IT cabinet and OT cabinet, they may have the same equipment. They may both have Cisco switch. Again, all of the, the from the outside looking in, I don't know the difference. But it, and again, it gets down to what it, what function it's serving, the business process. So I think it's important that we get the message out that to understand the difference so we can help solve the problem. Because all businesses, almost every business has OT of some kind, whether it's building management, it's it's your IoT devices that you have. Like some people have more than others. Obviously, manufacturing, generation, critical infrastructure. But almost every business has some kind of OT in their environment, and they need to make sure they understand the processes around it. So it sounds like you think it's um, not putting words in your mouth here, but it sounds like almost like a business um, problem of and kind of marries up quite nicely with one of one of the things I was going to say that I'm noticing with a lot of kind of job description, a lot of the jobs that go out, they're called 
you know, entirely different things. It's not even, you know, obvious to me as a recruiter, that, you know, this is OT or this is cybersecurity or, yeah. you know, there are jazzy little titles that come up and it's not obvious. And particularly for people that are starting out, well, they can have an idea and they don't kind of know what it encapsulates. They might be, uh, you know, they might have done a technical degree. They might have done IT and thought, you know what, I want to be more hands on. They they yeah. seem to have gone down the engineering route. You know, in terms of skills and knowledge, they might be a perfect blend for OT. Yeah. I mean, they might not be, but just that lack of visibility and awareness of this is a whole career and a whole growing area um so i think f- from my perspective as a recruiter that seems to be a big barrier to to entry for a lot of people look i think we're so early um this is kind of a nascent space that we're just in the last five plus years connecting things in new and interesting ways and meaningful ways across the board aaron said you said it dead on and, and you know everybody's got some form of ics equipment or industrial control equipment in their environment so everybody's got some form of this ot challenge they're just not aware of it and we're seeing now threat actors starting to exploit this. Um, and I kind of reminisce and say, this is like back in the early or late 2000s, early 90 or late 90s, early 2000s, where we started the, you could search for the word advanced persistent threat, and maybe you got one hit on Google, right? Um, now you're starting to see the same thing and it's starting to emerge and blossom. And I think you're gonna have this, this is something that's unavoidable for most companies in the next five plus years that's driving the market need, right? And people are trying to fuddle their way through it today or not getting the support for it. I think we're gonna to start to see this blossom more and more. Um, I think for us practitioners in this, this is a big deal. Um, we're seeing it everywhere, we recognize the challenges, but I think um, you're just gonna see this, this area continue to increase. And you're starting to see that just like we did in the APT days early on, you're looking for these unicorns Right. Rather than thinking about how do we structure, build a program out. And I think it's just symbolic of where we are in that maturity curve and we'll get there and you'll see a lot more opportunities to own it up. But for the people looking for jobs here, there's going to be a lot of opportunity in the space, especially if you've got some of those core skills we talked about earlier. Yeah. Mm, yeah. It's an exciting time for those looking if, if, if they know what they're looking at, but it's an exciting time for them to get into it. So I guess to wrap up last thing from um, me, um, what would you say is a kind of key takeaway or piece of advice um, you'd give for people looking to get into OT, cyber? Aaron, yourself, first of all. So so personally, I feel that networking really is the key skill set that if I can, if you know networking, I can teach you the other stuff. That's a kind of a core foundational need that I have. I can teach you the cyber side. I can teach you the automation side, like all the everything is kind of tied, literally tied together with the networking piece. And that's usually the thing that nobody seems to understand the big picture of. And I think from a from a job seeker as well as a job poster, right? So so the companies that, that are putting the post out and and they have these openings, they're putting all of these requirements for that unicorn and it doesn't exist. So they're they're stuck, people won't apply because they well, I don't I don't have that and I don't have that and I don't have that. Like really get down to the the root of what you need. What is the thing that you're trying to solve? And what can I train them once they get here? If I get somebody that understands networking and is a good problem solver, I can teach them my process. I can teach them these other things, but it, the likelihood that I'm going to find and be able to recruit with as, as big of an open market that it is with the, the unicorns, there exist. Like I, I have that skill set, but you're going to to get me and others like me, you're going to be competing with 50 other companies and, and the numbers are going to be high. and 
you're, you're not at good odds. Whereas I can recruit somebody that just has that, that lower level skill set because that's what I really need. And then I can teach them those other things, right? So that that it's really on both sides being able to adjust the expectations. And again, from a job seeker perspective, networking for me is the one thing that if you learn that, you can get into anything in OT and and, and succeed. Yeah, I'll only add to I, I love the networking part. I had it framed in my head around security architecture, just at a core principles level, but that. As soon as you started speaking, Aaron, that goes right there to that core principle around how does network architecture work in a secure fashion is just so, so critical in this space. And I would say folks that can don't underestimate the soft skills, folks that can really translate and, and you will be working with a lot of engineers, but you'll be working with a lot of operations folks as well. So being able to translate what you've learned in school into, you know, or learn by by developing that set of skill set if you're mid-career around architecture into actual meaningful conversation with folks maybe not as nuanced to you in those spaces, that's critical to build that trust we talked about and really be able to take what you're learning around the business process side, what you know on your background on the security architecture, and then translate it back to the business and to the leadership team where you're going to have to get a lot of buy-in to to make the changes you need. So I'd say that don't underestimate that soft skill. And I'll just maybe close and say, it's amazing we live in a time now where you could pop on YouTube and probably get seven courses on a particular topic. So um, folks, there is a lot of courseware out there that's readily available at low to no cost, right on topics, great presentations done on this stuff for the people really interested in learning this. And, and you know, that's, I would always advise to, to get educated on this material. I mean, I think it's an emerging area. We're gonna see a lot more in it. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, thanks, guys. And you know what? I appreciate both of your time and and your key kind of points and suggestions at the end. Hopefully, um, there will be some listeners out there that kind of benefit from this. I have no doubt. And if it encourages people to get into OT cyber, then you know what? That's that's a great win um, by all accounts. Absolutely.